You're listening to episode 257 of the Ruby on Rails podcast, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. I'm on the road, listeners. I'm currently in New York City because the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust has contracted ThoughtBot to help us redesign our Select Your Own Seat feature. ThoughtBot is a creative studio that will help you build mobile app and web applications, and I'm really excited to be working with them. They have several well-loved libraries in the Ruby space, like FactoryBot, Bourbon, and Clearance. ThoughtBot has a respected apprenticeship program. As an apprentice, people work alongside ThoughtBot designers and developers on client projects, and they're assigned a mentor who's their primary instructor. Here with me today is Sarah Dawson, the New York City office's apprentice. Sarah made the switch from academia to software in 2016 after dabbling in website production off and on for over 10 years. She is mostly self-taught and working away at increasing her knowledge and flexibility as an engineer. She has degrees in French, Classics, and Classical Archaeology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Brown University. She has lived abroad in southern France and excavated in the UK, Portugal, Greece, and Italy. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm a little nervous, but super pumped. You've got this. This is going to be a a good time. So hang in with us, listeners. We're going to take you on a journey. So Sarah, what led you down the developer path? Um, So that's a good question. I have always been interested in the internet and the web um, and kind of thought of it as a hobby. Didn't really think of it as a career because I had been sort of since a child kind of grooming myself to be a professor and then got into academia, really didn't enjoy it and started looking around for a career switch. And my mom actually was the one that was like, hey, you've been doing like website stuff. Maybe that's your career. And I was like, huh, maybe that's my career. (laughs) So I basically at that point was like, I'm going to see if I can make that work. Very cool. So um, I give you a ton of credit for being a self-taught developer. As the listeners know, I went through a boot camp and needed that kind of discipline. But I'd love to ask you, what were the joys and challenges of being self-taught? Sure. So I would say um, I'll start with the challenges first. Um, I would say that the main challenge is actually not having structure. So not really knowing what language to start with, not really knowing what resources are the best resources, um, not knowing what you don't know. So sort of learning things and assuming that you're getting a great foundation and then finding out when you try to build something, you have no clue how it works. Um, so all of those things are still happening. I mean, because now I'm, I'm switching languages. And so like I'm kind of having that same experience. But the joys, I think, were having a really amazing supportive community in Boston, which is where I moved from. Um, and basically everyone there was just super supportive. Like any question I had at a meetup or at any kind of tech night, like people were like, yeah, just, you know, I'll be in the back, come grab me. And like, I can totally go through all this stuff with you. So I really enjoyed all the people that I met and this like getting my foot in the door, like that was super crucial. Did you set up a schedule for yourself in order to hit that goal? Did you have a certain like year or month, week of where you wanted to hit your like in your developer process? That's a great question. I did. Um, so I had about eight months of money ah. before I needed a job. Oh, that's a nice hard, um, <laughs> a nice hard deadline right there. So basically there. I was like, all right, I got to like kind of work this. And by August of, I think it was 2016, I was like, if I don't have a job by then, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So I was super motivated to teach myself as much as possible. And I got super lucky and ended up actually getting a job in June of that year. So I had like even like a couple of months buffer. Um, and then that became sort of my first full-time tech job. So that was great. 
Oh, very cool. Well, um, I'd love to ask about, you know, working at ThoughtBot, but I'd love to ask about the process of actually applying for a ThoughtBot apprenticeship. Yeah. What was that like? Absolutely. So at the company that I was with previously, we actually worked with ThoughtBot. So it was actually kind of like Perfect. a funny coincidence. <laughs> um, and I became really good friends with one of the consultants. And um, after I'd moved to New York, she and I kept in touch. And I basically asked her like, hey, you know, I'm looking for a job. Like, you know, what do you like? Do you have any suggestions? And she actually suggested ThoughtBot. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I don't actually know Ruby or Rails. And she was like, oh, I just have a conversation anyway. And I was like, all right. Um, so I actually talked with Eric and that was mostly kind of like, a, it's Eric Collins, um, mostly kind of like, a, is this like even a possibility? And then at the end of that call, we both kind of felt like, well, okay, this, this could work. Um, I did a text screen with one of the Python engineers here because that's the language that I know the best. Um, after that, they asked me to come in to kind of do like an office visit. So I came on a Friday, had lunch, kind of chatted with people just to kind of see like if I would like the people that work here, if they thought that I was like kind of going to be a good fit. Um, and then after that, I came in for a full day of pairing. So in the morning, I did a pair with one of their engineers. Um, in Python Django, which nice. was great because that was sort of like an ease me into like my comfort level. And in the afternoon, I had to do actually a feature build and some testing in Rails, which was hysterical. And I even was like, <laughs> y'all know that I don't know Rails, right? And they were like, it'll be fine. And actually, it was really great. Like, it was the most fun I've ever had on an interview, like ever. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the day, we had pie. So I was like, this day really could not be better. It was like an eight or nine hour day. And I was like, I guess I could go home. Like, nah. <laughs> so. Wow. So yeah. no actual whiteboarding. You were always in front of a code editor. Always, always in, in discussion. Editor. Yep. Very Working cool. through everything together, lots of like, we, how would you do this? Like, what do you think about this? Like, like, you know, let's see if we can get a test working. Like, just a lot of things that I was used to from my previous company. Um, and yeah, it just, it was really fun. And we got everything working. So like, I kind of was like, whoa, this was great. I've noticed there's a common pattern, at least amongst the interviews that I've done that I've really enjoyed. I once interviewed at a company where they had me write a feature that I wanted to make up for the product first. And that was like the morning time. And I was very comfortable with it because I knew it was going to happen. And I knew which part of the application like I was comfortable with already. But then in the afternoon, they got to make up the feature. So it, it sounds like a kind of similar thing there. I yeah. love that they were willing to bring in somebody while ThoughtBot is primarily known for Ruby on Rails, that they brought someone in who was comfortable in the language that you were comfortable with. So, yeah, that was really great. Very cool. Well, you did um, mention kind of your initial reactions to Ruby and Ruby on Rails and kind of sum up how far are you in your apprenticeship right now? Like, what are you working on? Sure. So I'm actually, this is the end of week three. Um, so I'm actually working mostly on just acquiring Rails and Ruby skills. Um, so I have a toy project, which is something that ThoughtBot encourages. Um, I'm building an application. I can't say what it's for. It's proprietary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it's, it's actually pretty challenging, like the things that I'm trying to do. So I'm mostly trying to convert my understanding of Python Django and just sort of like engineering in general into how Ruby and Rails do things. Um, so I would say like my first impressions were I was pretty confused. Um, I tried to do a lot of things that I would be able to do in Python and I just assumed it would just sort of pour over and it didn't. Um, but in a good way because it turns out that Ruby, I wouldn't, I don't know that I know it well enough to say that it's more efficient, but it has some magic um, that it kind of like 
it's I think it's a lot more intuitive than Python, which I didn't even think was possible because that's like my all time favorite language. Um, but it just allows you to do a lot of things without having to sort of write a lot of code, which I appreciate. Um, the hardest thing for me right well at this moment has actually been adjusting to Rails um, because Django does not actually convert easily over to Rails at all. Like I'm finding the patterns different, the workflow is different, um, a lot of my expectations on how the views are working or the templates are working are different. So they're kind of similar, like ERB is not drastically different than a Django template. Um, but just like little things that sort of slow down my, my work because I'm like, oh, this doesn't work. Why doesn't this work? And then it's to the documentation. Um, so I've been doing a lot of kind of back and forthing and troubleshooting and test writing and um, I'm finally getting comfortable after three weeks. Um, but I also kind of expected to just be like, oh, Rails is like, and that hasn't quite happened. So yeah, it, there. it can definitely be a magical unicorn. It does a lot of work, heavy lifting for you, but yeah. just understanding what it's doing can definitely be challenging to new, yeah. new people for sure. And actually, that's one of the things I really like about ThoughtBot is that they're very big on like build it by hand, like don't use a lot of the built in gems or, you know, things like that, like kind of figure it out like by hand. And then you can refactor it later once you know how it's working under the hood to add some like functionality that, you know, will sort of auto generate a lot of this stuff. So that's cool. I completely agree on that because when I went through the boot camp, we were very much generate by hand. And then I did a hackathon after I graduated the boot camp. And I was like, I've heard of this scaffolding function that Rails has. We should use that. And so we did. And it, it was a nightmare. It created hundreds of files. Yep. Most of them not used at all. <laughs> the project became very unwieldy. And I realized that I lost that core grab as to what was actually going on in the project. So I completely agree. While it can be slower, to build it by hand means that you... You can say on that commit that you have touched every piece of that code, so that always feels really good. Yeah. Um, okay, great. We're going to take a quick break uh, from a word from our sponsor. Support for the Ruby on Rails podcast comes from OneMonth.com. Did you know that 50% of the best paying jobs call for the ability to code? OneMonth.com is the absolute best place to learn how to code in just one month. Their courses have helped over 60,000 students go from knowing zero about coding to building programs in languages like Python, Ruby, and JavaScript. OneMonth.com graduates have gone on to get jobs at prestigious startups like Airbnb, Instagram, and Spotify. OneMonth.com courses are easy to follow with step-by-step -step video tutorials, instructor-led with weekly assignments reviewed by your instructor, and results-driven with each student graduating the course with a portfolio of projects to show prospective employers, as well as a certificate of completion. OneMonth.com provided me an account so I could take a peek at their one-month Ruby course. As a former bootcamp instructor, I was impressed with the mixture of video, audio, and text resources to keep you on the right path. Are you interested in taking your career to the next level? For a limited time, head to onemonth.com slash rubyonrails to get 10% off any coding course. Again, that's onemonth.com slash rubyonrails to get 10% off any coding course. A big thank you to onemonth.com for supporting the Ruby on Rails podcast and online education. All right, Sarah, back to you. So this is something that I'd love to debate with you because, you know, we learned to, to code over like the last five years. And so you mentioned that you started to learn how to code in 2016. So being a junior developer in 2016 is quite different than being one now. What are your thoughts of when you cross out of that junior label? So I think that's a really good question, and it's something that I think a lot of junior engineers struggle with, uh, myself included. So there are days when I feel like I'm still a junior engineer, and there are days when I feel like super competent, and like I'm just like a regular engineer. <laughs> um, but I would say, 
like some of the advice I've gotten from past mentors is if you can kind of conceive of a feature um, and then follow that feature all the way through to its like final product without a ton of intervention, you're probably at the point where you're at least like a mid-level engineer. So that's something that I'm actually striving for. I haven't really had an opportunity to do that yet, um, but I'm hoping that that's like with my toy, at least like that's kind of the thing that I've been sort of working on is really getting a grip on like all of the parts of the development process and like kind of getting that smooth flow. Yeah, I agree. For me, I felt that I kind of shed that junior title because granted I'm at ThoughtBot this week and they keep showing me all these amazing things and I'm like, I feel like a junior developer again, which is great because all of this mentorship opportunity. But for me, I, I feel like a lot of junior developers see a developer as someone who's excellent at UI, UX, front end, back end, and DevOps, and think that they can be the master at all of those things. And I think really understanding that that's, that's pretty hard to maintain and is gonna lead you to a burnout is really when you understand that maybe perhaps specializing in something is you know when you can lose that title. But I agree that I think you can be a junior developer in certain different fields, and then you can be an expert or a senior developer in other things. So it's it's yeah, always sure. a nice mix. Um, so uh, speaking of mentorship, since you are an apprentice, have you noticed any particular mentorship skills that your coworkers have had that you'd like to see throughout the industry? I have. Um, so since I'm actually in the first phase of my internship or my apprenticeship, um, I've only had one mentor, um, but he's been amazing. Um, so his name is Daniel Colson. He's a developer here at ThoughtBot, and he's just really patient, um, which I think is key. So you have to understand that the person that you're mentoring doesn't have the amount of knowledge that you have. Um, so sort of being flexible, being kind of kind and generous, um, allowing that person to find their own path, but like guide them and sort of give them enough support that they feel comfortable asking questions and making mistakes and sort of doing um, a lot of the things I think that people do when they start learning something, um, but often feel very self-conscious about. Um, another thing that I think is really great about the way that the mentoring happens at ThoughtBot is that there is a ton of pair programming. Um, so I've, I've been places where pairing is encouraged, but the person isn't always like a good pair programmer, if that makes sense. So so sometimes you kind of spend a lot of time butting heads because you have different learning styles or teaching styles or kind of whatever is going on. Um, and I think the great thing about ThoughtBot is that everyone here is very thoughtful and very communicative. So there's a lot of checking in, like, does this make sense? Is this working for you? How can we do something that is like, you know, sort of more effective, et cetera. Um, and so it's just been really great. Like I, we work on things, I have questions, he answers the questions, sends me documentation links. Um, there are days where it's like, you know, would you like to spend some time kind of working on your own thing or do you want to pair or like whatever, like he's always available, which I think is great. Um, so I think just sort of like having a better sense of the other person that you're mentoring, I think that's probably something I'd like to see more of in tech. And then also sort of coming out of your own personal comfort zone a little bit. Um, so I know like I'm not super comfortable with like people that I don't know that well. So I can imagine just somebody coming in, like you've never met and you have to now spend a whole month with this person kind yes. of like sitting right next to them and talking to them every day could be very awkward. But um, I think you have to kind of come out of yourself because it's really about like the relationship that you're building, but also helping that person kind of get up to speed. Um, so yeah, so I think I think those are the keys. So communication, not being super wedded to like your personal style of doing things, and then just being generous and kind. 
That makes sense. I, I feel when I was learning how to code now, it was to me like a second career change for me. You know, I had a, a history in marketing and like I was de definitely down that path. And then I decided, you know what, I want to learn how to code and having to start over again, even in a new language, it makes you feel very vulnerable. And it takes one person to just make a, a rude comment or to be angry when you ask questions to really squash down that curiosity and enthusiasm. Absolutely. And so it's so important that we have mentors out there that understand that all of these companies want to hire senior developers that are a master at their language. We just don't have that population. And the only way that we're going to get there is if we raise people up through the community, whether or not they're junior developers, new to the language, new to the company, anything. And so we just need to, I think, within companies, not only score someone based on their performance, but score them based on their their ability to mentor other people within the company. So that that's great. I mean, ThoughtBot has, again, been really great with mentorship with our team so far, and I'm looking forward to working with them more. Um, okay, so, you know, we're in January, so gotta, we gotta talk about goals. So do you have any 2019 goals for yourself as a developer? I do. Um, so maybe unsurprisingly, goal number one is get promoted at ThoughtBot. Yeah, that's a good goal. <laughs> so I would like to be promoted to a full developer. That is the goal. Um, apart from that, I am working on, as I mentioned, sort of my toy project. I would like to see that launch this year. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable. In fact, I'm kind of hoping to do it before summer. So fingers crossed on that. Um, and I'd also really like to present at a conference. Um, so I've done sort of small talks at meetups. Um, and generally I'm terrified by public speaking, as I sort of alluded to. Um, but I think, I think that it's time for me to kind of like, kind of, again, come out of my own personal yeah. shell um, and, and start sort of making bigger contributions to the community. So. All right. Well, today is January 25th. The RailsConf CFP closes today. So I'm, we're, after the podcast, we're going to have a little bit of a talk about that because they're definitely looking for talks across the different expertises. And a couple episodes ago, we actually had Marty on to talk about what RailsConf is looking for. So keep that in mind, listeners. And if you haven't applied, I hope you got it in. Okay, wonderful. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. How can our listeners follow you? Um, actually, you can follow me at ThoughtBot. Oh, great. Yeah, I love so. that. That's fantastic. <laughs> and we're looking forward to seeing your toy project. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. And we'll be back with another episode soon, listeners. Thank you.